Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. Thank you for joining us wherever you are around Australia or around the world. Your continued support means the world as we continue to bring you interviews and golf information from around the world with people who love golf about their golf. Joining us this week all the way from Edinburgh, Scotland is a great friend of mine and a great friend of the podcast. Yes, it's Josh Ralston. You might know him as Golfing Scotland on Instagram. Josh joins us fresh off the back of hosting some big names at his home course of North Berwick in East Lothian. Last week when the PGA Tour hit town for the Scottish Open. Josh also gives us a lowdown on Royal Liverpool, which he played in tournament routing as one of the last visitors prior to the course closing for the Open preparations. Scott Carter's on board to help co-host as we prepare for one of the truly great weeks in major tournament golf. With so many Aussies in the field this week, and with all of the game's top golfers firing at the right time, I think the 151st Open Championship at Hoylake is going to be an absolute cracker. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our preparation Preparations for the Open Championship with Josh and Scott. Well, okay, welcome back to the My Love of Golf podcast. Thanks for joining us again as we prepare for one of the most special weeks. It's definitely one of the most special weeks in my golfing um, watching of the year. It's called, Of course, it's the Open Championship Week, uh, the last major of the year. And to bring in the last major of the year, I've got a couple of guests uh, joining us. Our semi, semi-regular uh, co-host, uh, Scott Carter, joins us again. But uh, a special guest all the way from Edinburgh, Scotland. And uh, he's just come off the back of the Scottish Open week. He's just come off the back of playing at Hoylake, so there's no one better to get than my friend uh, Josh Ralston. You might know him as Golfing Scotland on Instagram. I know him as a great... I'm gonna. Can I call you the professor, uh, Josh? Can I call you? You have to have a nickname when you join. You, you well, Kevin Moore uh, is called the professor, but you can call me the professor if you need to for the Australian audiences. I reckon you. You might. I might have to go with either the professor or the caddy whisperer, and you can tell me why. Uh, why I might go with either of those two. Uh, Josh, how are you? Welcome to the My Love Golf Podcast for the first time. It doesn't seem like the first time, but uh, it is the first time. How are you? Uh, great to be on. Long-time listener, first-time caller, as they say back in the States. So I'm excited to, to chat golf over here in the UK with you guys. Excellent, mate. Uh, Scott, it's uh, your first time meeting meeting Josh, but uh, you, you know him by the great Instagram uh, account that he runs. Absolutely. The, where he just brings everyone into the web of East Lothian golf. Uh, I'm, I can't talk up East Lothian enough, and, and Josh is one of the reasons why I do talk it up. So it's great for you guys to meet. Scott, how are you, how are you going, mate? You well? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, mate. Good to meet you, Josh, and uh, and hang out and do this. But yeah, no, I'm good. Thanks, Roscoe. Um, thanks for having me on your show again. Uh, how many rounds of golf last week uh, under the belt for you, uh, Scott? Uh, last week, what Wednesday and Friday were the two rounds. So okay. um, yes, mate, that's all. And then out again tomorrow. Oh, okay, that's all. Okay, yeah, no worries. Uh, what about you, Josh? How many rounds under the belt for you last week? Uh, last week I had 36 on Tuesday and then 18 on Friday night. Uh, also went out to the Scottish both on Thursday and Friday. Uh, so all in all, a pretty good golfing week for you guys. No golf for me to speak of, but I did, uh, Scott, I did crank up 3000 meters in the pool. So, uh, you know, while it's cold outside, the pool at PK is like a warm bath and I get in there and just, uh, power away, but no golf. Um, I'm just not braving, braving these elements at the moment. You can call me soft. Uh, 
Josh, you're in Edinburgh, Scotland, up there, um, but you certainly don't have an Edinburgh accent. Uh, you've got an American accent. What's the What's the background? Why do we find an American in uh, Edinburgh? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a native Californian. Uh, I grew up in Southern California in the same area that Ricky Fowler's from, as well as his old caddy, Joe Scovern, who's now on the back with uh, Tom Kim. Did not grow up playing golf. I was a basketball and baseball guy. Uh, but I am an academic. I work at the University of Edinburgh. And eight years ago, I was fortunate enough to get a job in Scotland. And I had always liked golf. And so, you know, if you're moving to, to, to Scotland, you better take it up. So I've become uh, addicted over the last six years, especially. I have seen that addiction uh, firsthand, both in 2019, where you were kind enough to uh, invite me to join you at your home of golf, uh, which is, you know, uh, the way I describe North Berwick is when people ask me in Australia a lot, because not everyone knows it, um, and its history and, and why it is so special. But I sort of given the explanation like it's the St Andrews of the other side of the water. You know, and I explain, you know, that big body of water that separates, you know, where you can see the map on, of Edinburgh and then across the Fife, you know, St Andrews is up there. Well, it's sort of like the St Andrews of the other side there. You know, it's an old out and back links, uh, golfing the town. Is that a fair way of describing the beauty of North Berwick or as a comparison to sort of put it in the picture of people who haven't been there? Yeah, I think we get compared to a number of courses, but St. Andrews most often because we are also an out and back, although we're a little bit more of a figure eight. Uh, so you start in the town, end in the town, the first and the 18th are both huge fairways that you shouldn't be able to miss, although people do. Uh, our 18th is a little shorter, so you can drive it quite easily, although the cars are even closer. Um, and uh, North Berwick as a golf club uh, has been uh, around since 1832. We also have two other clubs that play there, Ten Talon and Bass Rock. Um, but there's been golf there even earlier. And I'm not to pick on St. Andrews, but we've got better views than St. Andrews. Uh, so you can see the water uh, on pretty much every hole uh, at North Berwick in a way that you can't quite at, at uh, St. Andrews. It's, it's a golf course that I've never heard anyone say anything other than it was a fun experience. It's a great golf course uh, and every other superlative that goes with an old links. And you probably can't say that not to challenge the old course. You know, it's, it's unchallengeable, I guess, in its stature. But yeah, you do get from time to time people sort of throwing up a few different things like I didn't like this or I didn't like that or whatever. But I never really hear that about North Berwick. And maybe I'm biased because, you know, I get to enjoy it a little bit more often than the old course with you. But you know, when you first trod onto the uh, the West Links there or North Berwick, what what was your first take when you uh, saw the that turf for the first time? Yeah, so I the first time I played it was back in 2016 with my father-in-law as a as a visitor, um, and he got a caddy, which is how I ended up becoming a member. It's a long story, but uh, I think fun is the best way to describe it. Um, it, we were just ranked uh, the number one most fun golf course in Great Britain and Ireland, which I think is hard to hard to argue with. You've got some challenging holes, uh, long holes, you know, 467 yard into the wind, par four, 
Um, but we're really famous for a series of very unique and quirky holes from 13 to 16, uh, a wall bisecting things, uh, uh, two blind shots right down by the sea or, or the Firth, um, the Redan, and the craziest green you'll ever see. Um, so it, even in horrible weather, which I played in this week, uh, it, it's always a great time. And so uh, I think it's the balance of quirk and fun that you get at some of the shorter golf courses in Scotland, but we're also long enough and challenging enough for uh, you to test every part of your game. The the golf architects, you know, or architecture buffs that listen in uh, will understand the, the value and the, the importance of uh, when you use terms like the Redan or we throw in the Beeritz and there's probably a, a few other sort of template hole superlatives that we could attribute to North Berwick. But, um, you know, for those that don't really sort of follow that whole vibe of golf architecture and the significance of North Berwick is, you know, you talk about Redan. Uh, how, what is the Redan green and, and why has it become so uh, important in golf architecture? Yeah, so uh, the 15th hole at North Berwick is the original Redan. It currently plays you know, to the middle of the green around 190, but the pin in the back will be over 200 yards, sorry, not meters. And it's a, it, it's a term from military, it's a protection. And so you have a very upslope uh, and then it tilts from front to back and from right to left. And you've got a series of bunkers, usually one left and then two in the front. Our two in the front are actually about 50 yards short of the green, but you have to carry this big goalie. And in our case, you have to get it all the way there and it's a it's a blind or a semi-blind shot and it's been copied all over the world uh rayner and mcdonald took it to the state so you've got redans at courses like shinnecock national uh yale golf club other places so it's said to be the most copied hole in golf um usually a longer a longer par three with a, a front to back tilt and a right to left tilt although sometimes you see that in reverse uh, it's good to, to chat to you about North Berwick. And of course, this is a show where we're going to talk about the preview to the Open. But, you know, it's not, not often, nor it's never in the time that we've had the opportunity to speak to a member. But the beer, it's green on, is that uh, 16? Yeah, 16. 16. So the beer, it's green uh, got thrust into the limelight last week. Again, obviously, Scottish Open week. We see a lot of the players, a lot of the caddies and a lot of the people in and around uh, the tour come down and play. Uh, North Berwick, such is its desire. You know, they want to go and play this famous old links. And we saw JT and Jordan with a big crowd around them and a lot of that focus and a lot of the vision we saw was them putting on the Beer Ritz Green. Now explain the Beer Ritz Green and, and what's so special about that. Yeah, so that it's golf architect buffs debate whether it's a proper Beer Ritz Green. What it is is essentially the green is almost, I would say, 60 yards, uh, and it's angled from uh, right to left, and it has two essentially plateaus. So, so it's essentially two different greens with a massive goalie in the middle, and the goalie kind of moves from right to left. And all over and around the green, you've got humps and hollows and uh, a bunker. It's an extremely difficult green to, to hold, uh, and if you're around the green, you have so many options whether you are uh, a great player i played with sahith thagala the same day that uh, jt and jordan were out so it was a few holes behind the big green he drove it essentially pin high 370 yards downwind and he's good enough to hit a little uh 60 degree and check it up four feet away the same shot that he had i would have either used a six iron to putt with or even just a putter um because you've got so many different options uh and then 
it's kind of a tradition the first time you play to to try to get you to putt at the full length. So JT, Jordan, Smiley Kaufman, a bunch of other players. Ricky was there this week. Dylan Wu, um, Brandon Wu, uh, Jimmy Walker, a, a bunch of other players as well as caddies were out. So Saheth and his caddy Carl, uh, I made him have a putt off from about 60 yards going through this big goalie and up and seeing how it goes. Picture in your mind like a, a small half pipe. If you're a skateboarder, picture in, in even if you're not a skateboarder, you know, picture a half pipe and put that in the middle of a green, and that's sort of what uh, Josh is describing. What you have to putt through each uh, lobe, you know, the front and back lobe of the green, is not very big. And uh, you know, I've played it many times. I don't ever think that I've hit that green in two. I maybe didn't hit it at 370, but you you remember a few years ago when I hit that drive down there, and it was down by those bunkers on the left. It was khaki Dax sort of shot for me, you know, like as you described, I'm not sure what to do. Should I putt it? Should I chip it? Should I run it up? Of course, um, it, none of those options were probably going to get me on the green, but uh, it's a tough it's a tough little hole and it's a great hole. It, it's a great hole and, and it's one of the few places where we have internal OB because down the right is the Wii course where the par three course for kids that Minwoo Lee ended up uh, showing up at this week and helping out a few kids with a lesson so it's ob right but right is the better angle in as well so it's 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 a great hole it's a strategic hole uh, there's also a burn that cuts across it which downwind is never in play but if you're into a gale force you have to think about laying up and then you're hitting you know a two iron and a four iron into into a green so it, it's a fantastic hole and all the guys really really love that they love 13 with the the wall in front as well and spent uh you know, a long time messing around there. Now, I jokingly said you have to have a a, uh, a nickname when you come on the podcast. You know, I gave you the professor, but you know, the other one that I probably would would say is the caddy whisperer. You know, you just rattled off uh, names of all of the the players and caddies that have been down. Um, you know, I think last year when we sat together at the clubhouse, there uh, we're just sitting inside with. Um, probably Dylan Fratelli's manager or something like that that you had hosted down there. And uh, who came up and who, who was there? Um, Bones and uh, Michael Greller. And they just come up and started chatting to you. And what, what is it? What's the connection with, uh, you know, the caddies and, you know, you being the whisperer and, and organizing uh, a lot of people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Caddy whisperer. Uh, I think uh, Martin Hush, our head pro, called me the caddy fixer at one point. <laughs> I mean, the story is that I grew up uh, with Joe Scovran. He's one of my brother's good friends as a kid. Uh, I was a couple of years older than him. Joe was on Ricky's bag from when Ricky turned pro until just last year. And uh, now he's on Tom Kibbs bag. Last year, I had texted Joe and said, do you want to get a game? He said, maybe. Uh, so I was already out there. He got stuck at Renaissance, couldn't play. And I said, well, I'm already out here. So if, if anybody uh, wants to play, I'm happy to take him out. Well, next thing I know, uh, last year I'm playing with Brian Branish, who himself played on tour for a year. He was on the bag with Siwoo Kim. He's now with Will Gordon. Uh, James Donaldson, who was on the bag with Ryan Palmer, now Davis Riley. He's also the club champ at the Colonial. So those are two absolute sticks. Uh, and then I ended up playing with a couple of other caddies, Ted Scott, who's Scotty Scheffler's caddy, and we've become friends and stay in touch, as well as Jose Compra, who uh, we also stay in touch and are good friends. Uh, Sebastian Munoz currently, but he was on the bag of Angel Cabrera for quite a long time. So last year I ended up getting connected with a lot of them, but you know, these are caddies who don't get to play golf a lot, but when they're over here, they bring their, their bag, they bring their sticks. And uh, I ended up 
arranging other rounds for other guys. Uh, and that's kind of, uh, rolled over into this year, um, as well as being able to meet a few of the pros, uh, Luke list and I, uh, chatted Joel Dahman and I had a beer last year, went to dinner with Siwoo and JJ spawn. Uh, so yeah, I've somehow lucked into a life as the week of the Scottish open. I've got a part-time job of hooking guys up uh, on the, on the West link. So this year I played again with Ted. Uh, I played with Sahed Fagala himself, his agent, uh, who I went to university with and Carl, who is saw his caddy. Uh, and then I got a couple guys from true temper on, uh, James again, Ted, um, and a bunch of other players. So I, uh, it's kind of, uh, yeah. Caddy whisperer, caddy fixer becomes my job during the Scottish open. Yeah. I've even blocked my calendar next year <laughs> from my wife to say, this is caddy fixer week. So you can't interrupt me. The thing that I like about that story is just again, showing the contrast between uh, golf in the US and, and maybe some of the golf here in Australia, but just how easy it is and how welcoming and how accommodating like the guys at North Berwick are. And just the difference in, you know, this, this course is highly sought after globally. Everyone speaks so positive about it, but it's a essentially a member's course, but still on public land. And, you know, you can walk the dogs down the side of it if you want to. And uh, it's pretty easy to do, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you saw JT, the pictures that DP World had of him hugging dogs. Uh, there was a dog crossing when Ted Scott and I were playing and chatted with them. So it is public land. I mean, we're a very highly sought after club. Our wait list is closed for men. Uh, if you want to get on without a member, we're pretty much all the way booked almost to the end of, of next year. But I think us as members and the club in general are proud of our course. We want people to enjoy it. And so having the opportunity uh, to host these players and to, to give them a chance to sort of get away from a lot of the buzz, even though there were a bunch of people following JT and Jordan, it was mostly very respectful. People are at a distance. Um, you know, I had a number of people would come up and want to follow Sahith for a few holes or get a photo with him, but it was very, um, respectful of saying this is a time for them to enjoy this course. Um, and so, uh, the course in general, our general manager, Stuart Bain, uh, and, and our head pro Martin Hush and others really just want it to be a place that, that people can enjoy. And, and that really came across a lot of the guys, not the biggest, biggest names, but a lot of the guys are staying at the Marine hotel, which overlooks the 16th and the Wii course, a par three course. And so some of them would just go out in the evening and, and walk along and, um, without naming names, uh, when I was walking down with Sahith, uh, Alan and Carl on the 18th, a few of the pros were walking back and, you know, they were saying, you got to play this next year. You got to come out. Um, and, and it, it is, it's, sh it's too short for them. Um, you know, Thagala, uh, into the wind, the first eight holes, I, you know, he, he was surprised at how tough it was, but then once he made the turn downwind, he put on an absolute show of birdies and eagles, birding eight, nine, eagling 11, birding 12. Um, but as he said, the turf, uh, is very classic links. It's, it's more classic links than Renaissance. And as, as Sahith was saying, he loved playing at a links because it's not blueprint. You have to see a shot and you have so many different options. Do you run it? Do you hit it high? Um, one of the most impressive shots I saw all week was him holding up a high eight iron into Redan on a front pin downwind. Nobody else could stop it. And somehow he's hitting this super high cutty one that stops 10 feet away. Everybody else is, is rolling it 40 feet past 
or hundred feet past and putting back up the hill. So they have these, these options and, you know, they loved, uh, messing around on 13 and 16, especially you can see it either on my social media with Sahith or North Barracks page. They've got a bunch of Jordan and JT putting through walls and chipping over. So yeah, it's, it's, it's for us, it's a really fun week. Um, and even though there's crowds, it feels like a break from the rest of, of, uh, golf right now. Uh, just to finish on the North Berwick chat, cause we've probably uh, gone a bit too long on that, but, uh, you know, Sahith is a favorite in this podcast. We've been talking about Sahith the gala for well over a year and a half, a couple of years, um, before, you know, full swing. I remember sitting in the players lounge at the open last year, directly opposite Sahith while he was just sitting there by himself writing his notes on the Wednesday. I wanted to go and say day, but I, no, I didn't do that. But, um, you know, he was literally just there and, uh, I still keep myself for not at least saying hi, Sahith, but, um, yeah, he must've been, sounds like a great guy. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was a really fortunate situation to be able to play with him it's the first time i've played with a tour pro i've seen him around north barrack but i was originally just playing with his agent alan hobbs who i went to wake forest with uh who's also the agent of uh, a number of other players will zaltoris davis riley seamus power uh, so i was supposed to be playing with alan seamus powers caddy and Sahith's caddy carl so just some caddies and the day before or the morning of alan texted me and said is it all right if Sahith joins us instead of uh seamus's caddy so i was like well yes of course um but he's a really down-to-earth guy uh he's also a californian and his caddy's a californian well lived in california at least for a bit so we had that in common uh could talk basketball uh he's a lakers fan i'm a warriors fan uh and and do that and you know, I think he said it was only the second time he's played a Lynx. He didn't get into the Scottish last year. So the only other course he played at that point was the old and North Berwick. Um, so a great start, um, but a really, really creative golfer um, and, you know, moves the ball a lot. As he said to me, I don't, I think this wouldn't be breaking confidence. You know, he's not a, a hit the number blueprint kind of golfer. He's a feel imagination, likes to shape his shot. Uh, and so he was saying how much, uh, the links kind of work for that. Um, so hopefully we'll see some good stuff out of him this week at Hoylake. Yeah. I can imagine that it's a, a good preparation for, for those guys to get that true links, uh, feeling because that's what they'll be faced with at Hoylake. Now just touch on the, um, the, the summary of the Scottish open, uh, Scott, we have to get you across. To, yeah, we have to get you across to North Berwick at some stage. After all that, I know you want to go tomorrow. Uh, Scottish Open. I know, mate. That was great. Great <laughs> listening to uh, to Josh and anyone I've ever spoken to that's played North Berwick uh, definitely has it as it's their top favourite um, course in that region. So, um, but yeah, no, Scottish Open last week, uh, a great a great one to watch. And I caught kind of the last the back nine, kept an eye on the rest of the tournament, but. Uh, incredible day for the Rory haters, I think. Um, very tough day for the Rory haters out there. Uh, great to see uh, Rory win and in such, you know, such fashion. It was just incredible to see um, that birdie birdie finish. Um, someone else finished birdie birdie uh, recently, Roscoe. But anyway, no, no, no more important than than Rory. You finished birdie birdie for 32 points. He finished for birdie, 33 points. 33 yeah. points. He finished birdie birdie for 9 million bucks and a trophy. I was going to say, not, not for 3 million bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but geez, he had to do it, didn't he? Cause, um, uh, your mate, Bobby Mack 
played an unbelievable was it a three wood out of the out of the the rough there uh into the wind to what was it six or eight feet or something like that was a hell of a golf shot and you really did think that this young scott was was going to take it home and that would have meant so much to him as his national open um but uh rory Rory just uh, stepped on the gas there in on those last two holes. I mean, he, he actually missed a short birdie putt on 16, um, and he was he, he was playing so well that that back nine, but missed that birdie putt on 16. And I thought, oh, geez, he, he might not do it here. But um, but yeah, those two birdies, 17 and 18, that two iron um, was a kind of bit of a baby cut, like in, into the wind, two iron. Scott, your your internet is uh, going on the go go slow again. Um, Josh, you you and I might take over uh, here while Scott's uh, Scott's um, internet goes on the on this on the uh, slide. Uh, you were there Thursday, Friday. You went out there for a look yourself. You took your, your daughters out there and just continue to inspire them to uh, get into golf. Um, it looks like you're doing a good job. It looks like you're doing a great job because I see even um, your wife's now getting into golf. Well done. Yeah, she's joined the. Uh the women's get into golf in North Berwick. So, uh, we're, we've got a little golfing family. So enjoyed being out there on Thursday and Friday. But I mean, as Scott was saying, it was hard to imagine a better shot than Bob's on 18. Um, and then to see, to see Rory, uh, back it up. Um, just, uh, heartbreaking, I think for a lot of Scots, although, Rory's also beloved here, but yeah. it would have been great to have somebody other than, you know, finally have a Scott win the Scottish first time, I think, since Colin Montgomery. Um, that, that was a little bit gutting. Have you played at Renaissance yet? I have not played Renaissance. Okay. Uh, I've walked, I, I know the course pretty well. I've got uh, followed around this time. We, we stayed mostly on the front because of the kids. Um, but obviously that stretch out by the water that they got the land from Muirfield's quite stunning. Uh, that 17th, that par three, uh, the green is m- much tougher than it looks like on, on TV. And I thought it was incredibly hard uh, par three when I played it. Um, and, and like a lot of holes, the TV just doesn't do it justice. So that birdie of, of Rory's there on that hole into that wind and all of that, it was just sensational, of course. And it goes without saying that uh, finish on the 18th, um, that two iron will be, you know, Held up as the uh, wind cheating stinger to iron uh, for the rest of uh, time, I reckon. But um, yeah, anyway. Uh, now, the other thing uh, that we need to talk about quickly is uh, there were a couple of other tournaments. There was the um, the Barbasol. Barbasol, you ever used Barbasol in your time um, with the razor in your hand over there at home, Josh? You're a Barbasol guy? I, I, I'm not. I'm not a Barbasol guy. <laughs> uh, I won't say the other companies that I use, but you know, I. I I, uh, I engaged with the Barbasol about as much as I engaged with the Barbasol tournament this week, which is I glanced in to see what was happening, see if Lucas Glover could overcome his uh, putting yips and, and get a win. But uh, I've heard great things about Norman. I think he pronounced it Norman, yeah. uh, the, the young Swede uh, who everyone said is just an absolute uh, stick and ball striker. So uh good for the europeans to get a couple more young guys coming up from scandinavia that might add some depth to the Ryder cup whether it's this year or in the future uh he looks like a you know it's not the first time we've seen him in and around the the, uh fixtures but um he looks like a great young player and uh, good to see good to see him get a win you know dp world tour pga tour it's a it's an interesting you know these split events with um shared allegiances and and then we saw on the women's tour we had the let um 
uh, women playing the Aramco series. And then we had the LPGA tour event. So we had, um, who did we have? Um, we had Nelly one and Lynn Grant. Won. Yeah. Nelly one in, in London at Centurion, which is obviously backing up after the live event. And they had the fixtures and fittings still around. A lot of that infrastructure still there. Aramco obviously aligned with the whole live thing. So that makes sense. And then over there we had, um, Lynn Grant, you know, the, the Swedish player playing, um, who's just continues to make great inroads on the women's uh, tour in, uh, in America. Um, the other thing that we do here, Josh, is we have our little Teepster tipping competition. If you picked uh, Rory McIlroy, of which there was only one person in our whole group, there's like hundreds of people that do this tipping thing every week that sort of listen to the podcast. Uh, I, Roddy, uh, Rod, I know, I know Rod. Um, he plays with one of the social groups that come into the store. Uh, he was the only one that picked uh, Rory McIlroy. Uh, one person picked uh, Scotty, but there was a lot of love for Tommy, Nikolai. Uh, I had Tyrrell Hatton. And Tyrrell Hatton, Tyrrell Hatton had me fist pumping for one minute, and then, and then giving the whole the finger like he did on the 18th, or he's getting chastised for. I don't know whether he did actually or not, or had his hand up and people are calling him out on it. But Tyrrell had, Hatton had me excited, but no, he fell away at the end. A whole heap of other names here: Craft Golf, Nikolai Hoyt, Cheeseman, Leaf, No Three Putts, Michael Lloyd had Tyrrell Hatton. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Teepster, don't forget the people that do listen, Teepster, you have another two tournaments to pick from this week, obviously the Open and the uh, the Barracuda, another great, what's the Barracuda? Is Barracuda another American company that we never heard about in Australia? Uh, honestly, I, I don't know. Okay. I thought it was just a fish. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Scott, do you know, do you know the, what the Barracuda is? Barracuda. I do not know that one, Roscoe. No, sorry. How did you go on the Teepster last so, week? How did you go Teepster wise last week, mate? Yeah, I had Min Woo. A lot of us had Min Woo. Okay. Um, yeah. went, it went okay, 52,000 or something. But yeah, not enough to make up any ground, mate. I think you made up some ground, didn't you? Uh, Tyrrell you were, uh, got, sitting third. Tyrrell got some money, but I haven't changed. So Tyrrell got me some money, but I'm still in third. And um, Blakey's still first. So there we go. Uh, but really, what we're here really to talk about is the. Uh, the open. How do we want to run this, Josh? I'm going to defer to you again because you've just been down a couple of weeks ago and played Hoy Lake in a little tour that you did of uh, English Links as you grow your portfolio of courses there and you keep making insurgents south of the border to um, take on some of these great courses that you've now. What, what's the list? What's the catalogue that you've played now? Give me the rundown of where you have uh, played down there. In England, yeah. yeah so. I think England is maybe the most underrated place for golf uh, in the world, maybe even because uh, people come to Scotland and Ireland, especially you Aussies and us Americans. But we often run past England, uh, or if they play England, they just play the, the, the Rota courses, but there's so much depth. Um, so I've played Sunnydale Old and New recently. Uh, I played St. Enadoc, which is in Cornwall, uh, which is just a crazy James Braid course. Um, the sixth hole is one of my favorite holes in the world. Uh, and then just recently went with a friend of mine, English guy, Tom Slater, also a professor. And we played Lytham, uh, Formby Ladies, Hoylake, Birkdale, and West Links in four days of 25 to 28 degrees, one club wind, perfect weather, uh, all with members uh, playing four ball matches or, or playing other matches. So it was a fantastic time it was before the rain came to hoy lake so when we played hoy lake and especially burkdale uh the the fairways were pretty much concrete burned out fast and firm 
it's rained quite a lot since then. So Hoylake won't quite play as, as fast and fiery as I think we were all hoping for. Now, now you played Hoylake in the tournament setup. We know that for the members, a uh, slightly different setup. So one, uh, 17 and 18 uh, are going to be playing as, is it uh, one and three in the tournament? What's the, what's the one, what's, and, one and two, one and two. Okay. So you played the, the tournament set up with all of the grandstands around you. You know, what were your takeouts of, Hoylake as a open rotor venue about a month away yeah, from the so, Open Championship. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it was a really unique and cool experience to be able to play the course uh, with all the stands up. All the infrastructure was built up by that point. I think there was only a week or, or two left of members play. We went out uh, in the evening, which is my favorite time to play in the summer over here because the sun, by the time we're on the back nine, the sun's setting over the estuary with views out to Wales uh, on the on the latter hole so I mean to me it's really a tale of almost two kinds of land you have the pretty flat land on one two three 18 uh, as well as some of the other holes that's around the old race course where it's really subtle uh, fairway bunkers it doesn't pop uh, in the way that you might expect some courses, although there's there's some great holes there. And then for from 10 to sort of 14, 15, when you're out in the dunes land, farthest away from the clubhouse, you get a lot more dramatic rolling hills uh, and, and dramatic views. So the, the course plays slightly differently between those two kind of land. You'll then come back in um, to the flatter land on uh, 15, 16, the new 17th is, is back in the dunes. And then the final one, 18, which will be a, a really dramatic, uh, par five with internal low B down the right. And, uh, we could see some birdies, uh, maybe even Eagles to win, but also some big numbers with the, with the, the OB really pinches in on the right. So there's a couple of talking points there. The new par three, what did it replace? Did, was it a par three that they just redid? I, I'm sorry, my knowledge isn't isn't up to speed. What did it replace? Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll tell some stories about that one um, because I got to hear some, some members' views as well. So essentially it was already a par three, but they reversed the direction so that it would be going towards the water, uh, going towards the estuary and the views. Um, it's an extremely short hole. Uh, I think the max it can play is 135. It, it can play it shorter, uh, but it is diabolical. Uh, it is pretty much a tabletop with runoffs everywhere. You can't miss it short. You can't miss it long. The bunker right is is pretty much dead. Uh, they they were the member was telling me stories of you know, club champions, uh, because it's often into the wind. Uh, and you pretty, if you, if you don't hit the middle of the green, you're in big trouble, even for, for pros. Um, so I don't know if you saw Billy Foster, Fitzpatrick's caddy yesterday, um, was criticizing the hole saying that it's, that it's horrible and you're going to have sixes and sevens, uh, just because, uh, especially into the wind or e or downwind or a crosswind. So it's, it, it does to me, it, it's dramatic. It, Pick, the pictures are stunningly beautiful. Um, it, it doesn't quite fit, to be honest, with the, the style of the rest of the course. Um, and it's so challenging that they even put in a rule for ladies and for, I think, maybe the B group uh, 
in stroke play competitions at Hoy Lake that uh, you don't have to NR. You can just take a maximum six because if you miss the green, it, it's one of those that it, it's hard to explain um, how how difficult an up and down is. If you miss the green, just hope for a birdie. I mean, hope for a bogey, um, and you'll you'll be fine. Um, and because of the wind and because of how dramatically tabletop it is, everything kind of feeds off. I played with a member. He hit a great shot right in the middle of the green. I hit one. I thought it was good. Stayed on barely. My my friend hit the green, but with a little cut spin, rolled down into the bunker and walked off with a six um, after taking a number to get out because uh, it would just come back to his feet or fly to beyond. So it should create a, a lot of drama um, between 17, a very short par three that could be a birdie or it could be a five. And then a par five, uh, the last two holes are going to be quite dramatic and, and should create some fireworks, which I think is partly why the open had them change that hole. Uh, this, RNA, I mean. This uh, internal OB, everyone wants to talk about internal OB. Now, it's not that common, but, you know, we, I think we've still got internal OB on one hole at PK. There's not that many courses, but I, I don't see that it's a bad thing, especially in the context of the Open, uh, having that internal OB on the right-hand side of the 18th there. Is it on the third as well? Does it, you know, basically where the, yeah, the, where the, um, the, the merchandise and a lot of that uh, corporate stuff is going to be in and around there, right? Yeah, so it used to be a race course inside, yep. uh, and so the, the internal OB is where the race course was and where the merchandise will be. So the third, which plays as one for the members, um, and thank God that's not the first hole I had to play because you can't really hit driver if you have any kind of distance because of the OB right, and it's it's essentially straight and then a hard dogleg right. Um, and so the, the further right you are, the better your angle is, but then you're flirting with this internal OB, you can bail left, um, but then the further you bail left, the longer the approach comes and the more likely you're in rough. Um, so every everyone I've seen is is taken iron. I think Harrison Crow was there the day I was playing and saw him hit, I think he said a three iron off that tee, but then you're still left with over 200 in because unless you want to risk flying it over the whole OB, um, it's just not, not worth it. So, uh, and, and then on the right at, with the approach, the OB stays all the way down the right and even around the back. So you can't miss your approach shot right or long. So you'll see, I'm assuming a lot of guys, uh, leaving it short left in a little, um, natural grass hollow and trying to get up and down from there. What are your other, you know, holes that you would have the audience keep an eye on in terms of, you know, potential to, uh, cause some drama for some of the players? Yeah, so on the front, um, I mean, the, anytime you hit in a fairway bunker, there's drama. And These there, aren't fairway bunkers. Did, did Martin that Ebert, you can? Did, I was just going to say, did Martin Ebert have to put some new bunkers in? Did I hear that uh, he put some new bunkers in just sort of at the distances that they're going to be potentially hitting at? Is that right? Yeah, exactly. So um, I think four, which is a short par four, they they put four for the open. They put some bunkers around the greens or in sort of 50 yards short. Um, so they, they've repositioned a few of those for, for modern distances. Um, so on the front nine, I would say three and seven are the two that really come to mind as, as paying attention to seven is more of a dog leg, uh, right with, with a weird, like kind of grassy 
thing that cuts across it so you can't just bomb it. You have to think about these distances. I think that's one of the things about Hoylake. Um, think back to Tiger only hitting driver once um, is taking the bunkers out is the most important thing. Um, I even overheard some of the players here talking about that being the primary aim at, at, at Hoylake. So three and seven on the front, um, I think the course really comes into its own on on the back, uh, for me at least. The, the run from 10 to 14 um, has got to be some of the better golf in, um, in on the Rota. Uh, the 10th is now playing as a par 4. It was a, a, par, a reachable par 5. It played for a par 5 for us. Um, it, it's uh, got a kind of a big hill that comes through the middle, so you either have to drive it over that or lay back and have it approach. The green is sort of up and elevated, and there's a bunker front right that I know that they've changed. Uh, 11's got a little punch bowl. Uh, it's coming, so 10 goes all the way out, and then 11 are going to start coming back. Uh, and 11's a great, uh, a great hole, shorter one, but a very you'll have a, a, a strange lie on your feet, a punch bowl green that could be really interesting. Uh, both 12 and 14 are kind of dogleg lefts that um, you could take, but with sort of well-positioned bunkers. So do you take on those bunkers and try to cut the corner? Do you blast it over? Um, those are kind of the, the questions that, that people will be asked. I think 14 uh, for me, either 13 or 14 are the best hole in the course. And 13 is a long par three. It's called Alps. Um, it's in it's incredible hole right on the water, kind of sl- slants uh, from right to left. And the further you are, the 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 more it pinches in. So it could be a, uh, I think the sort of uh, make or break would be that that stretch of holes, and then a, a gettable par five uh, with what would it be 15? So 15 and 18 is par five. So even if somebody's behind, they could make a run with 15, 17 and 18 to, to catch up. So that could create a lot, a lot of drama. It doesn't feel like a, a course that you necessarily have to hang on right at the end. You might need to hang on in the middle and then kind of put your pedal to the metal on 15, 17 and 18. So some of those holes you mentioned, they're 10, 507 yard par four, uh, what else we've got? Um, 14, 450-yard par 4, 620-yard par 5 on 15, 16's 461 yards. You've got the little par 3, 17, and then a 609-yard par 5 with that internal OB. Uh, yeah, it does sound like that back nine is going to help or hinder someone. We'll see uh, We'll see what happens. Um, now, Josh, I'm conscious of your time. You've got to head off to a meeting. Um Anything else from your experience in Hoylake? You know, who who are you, who are you fancying? Who who do you, who do you think that's going to you know play well, fare well down there? Or who would, who do you hope? I, I mean, I. This is boring, but I just can't see past Scotty Shuffler. Um, I, he's just hitting the ball so well. He's creative and good around the greens. Uh, I think he's mentally tough and patient. Ted, uh, on his bag, has the experience of winning the Masters three times. He's been at Hoylake before. Um, and the greens, like many Lynx greens, not like newer Lynx, like Renaissance, the greens at a lot of Lynx courses are actually pretty flat. Um, the, the drama comes around the greens. And so I think 
whether you want to say he has putting woes or not, um, I think the greens aren't the biggest issue. So, I mean, it's boring, but I just think he's had too good of a year to not win a major. Um, so even even at the odds that he's at, um, I would pick him as a favorite over Rory um, just because the stats back it up. I think Rory with the sentimental thing coming back, having won at Hoylake last time, having won last week, I know it shouldn't matter, but it, it takes a little bit more out of him. Uh, so that's one. I'm also thinking it's going to be a course that long irons, uh, both off the tee and maybe into approaches uh, matter. So that makes me think of people like Scheffler, Min Wu, uh, honestly, uh, even maybe Morikawa. Um, it, to me, more more long iron, control your distance kind of guys um, are, are the ones that, that come to mind uh, initially for me. So those would be a couple. I, I could also see, I know you, in one of the lists you sent around, uh, most of the winners lately have been in their 20s at majors, but actually the Open has some of the older winners. So could we see somebody, you know, like um, an Adam Scott or a Hatton, uh, somebody in their 30s or early 40s actually get the get a win? Um, when it was a little firmer, I, I would have liked their chances even more. So, um, mm. and I don't think, and maybe I'm wrong, but length, uh, you know, links courses, not that length always helps, but I think a links negates some of the advantages of length. Because if you hit a fairway, you can get so much more distance with that run, even if it's a little drier versus somebody who bombs it and is stuck in, in the in the in the rough. So um, somebody who's who's accurate off the tee uh, might also spring to mind. I don't know who that would. I, I'm the guys I'm thinking about maybe are a little longer down there, but those are, those are the people, but honestly, like you never want to bet the house on a single person in golf, unless it's tiger in the early aughts. But I, I, I've thought and tried to think of somebody other than Scheffler, but I just don't see, I, I think he's due. He's had such a good year, um, whether it's this week or maybe it's sometime in the playoffs, but he's got to get a win. All he needs to be is average with the putter and he's going to win. It's unbelievable how how he's been just lurking every tournament, every week, week in, week out. Uh, I mean, top 12, I think he hasn't not been in the top yeah. 12 since last September. Yeah, it's exactly. It's, it's yeah. phenomenal. Well, uh, that is an interesting uh, take and I appreciate uh, that. Uh, I, I do need to get another take from you and it's not really golf related, but I know you're going to scoot in a second. Um, I do need a tip. West Ham and uh, Tottenham Hotspurs playing in Perth, Australia. Your team. You're a mad Hotspur, Tottenham Hotspur fan. Um, who, who, it's happening as, as we speak. It's, yeah. it's happening as we type. Yeah, yeah. I'm now, well, since I know West Ham's up 2-0. Oh, really? Uh, oh, <laughs> at, at halftime. The uh, the Australian uh, Postacoglu coming to to Tottenham is off to a a two nil. I think we'll. I mean, I know you're a gunner, but I think Tottenham will struggle a little bit defensively at the start of the year. But once Ange's system kicks in and he gets some of that front foot playing that we saw both in Melbourne and especially here in Glasgow and Celtic, uh, we'll be we'll be all right. So you bought into Ange ball. You bought in. You're in. Oh, I. 
I was into Ange Ball before we we appointed him, uh, partly just because all my Rangers fans were keen for him to leave because they <laughs> think he's great, and all my Celtic fans were gutted that he left. So, uh, you know, I was I was uh, happy to see a change from Mourinho and Conte to actually try something new. Uh, well, as you know, I support the team on the other side of uh, North London to you, uh, Tottenham Hotspur, uh, Arsenal's arch enemy, but. Yeah, I've got this funny thing when, when someone goes somewhere that I like, you know, it just opens up this little soft spot in my heart for that team. You know, much like you know when Scott McDonald was scoring goals against Barcelona in the Champions League for Celtic, who I'm not a Celtic fan, but I had this little soft spot. You know, Tommy Rodjic and uh, all the other Australians, Mark Viduka that have played at Celtic, I had this little soft spot. I never had that same soft spot for Rangers, so to speak. I'm sorry to the Rangers fans that might be listening in Scotland. It pains me to say that I might have to have an extra eye on Tottenham Hotspur this year, but I'm a big Ange fan, um, and he's endeared himself yeah. to the footballing world, and uh, that's great for us Aussies um, as we sort of, you know, we were a little footballing nation down here, you know, we we, we punch above our weight, uh, so to speak. But uh, anyway, Tottenham, Tottenham Hotspur, yeah. Ange Postecoglou. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, uh, I, I think the soft the soft spot with with him hopefully can reconnect with some of the. Pochettino vibes that we had earlier, but to speak, I mean, to, to what you're saying, it's interesting how certain golfers that I really had no real connection to, um, because I've either seen them out at North Berwick or I've met their caddies. I'm suddenly, Oh, what's Luke list doing? Or, uh, what did Dylan Wood do this week? Did he make the cut? Or, uh, I wasn't against Scotty Scheffler, uh, but I was sort of ambivalent about Scotty Scheffler. But now that I've become friends with Ted, uh, he's vaulted up my list of, of players to like. So when you have a connection to somebody in a sport, um, it becomes a lot easier to root for them, even if they're uh, on your arch enemies uh, club. Now, one, in, one important connection that I wanted to make through getting Scott involved, and Scott and I are going to take care of in a minute as you go off to your meeting, but uh, I wanted you to meet Scott because he'll be able to take you for uh, – a number of rounds at Spring Valley when you're down here in Melbourne, uh, when you visit Melbourne at the start of the year, um, next year, uh, I'll look forward to taking you to PK. And I'll also, we should really, um, and the, your chat about the uh, 17th hole at uh, Hoylake made me think about, we need to plan a Barnboogle trip because you need, mm. to, you need to see the 7th hole on Barnboogle Dunes because it everything every way that you describe that hole is like Tom's Little Devil. I've got a picture of it just up there to my left. Yeah. Um, it reminds the description reminds me of that hole and you probably and you need to come and see Barnboogle and Lost Barnboogle Dunes and Barnboogle Lost Farm. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of things that you you need, need to try and weave into your um, prof- professorial uh, schedule. As you're down here in Melbourne, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We just we bought our flights yesterday, so we're in Melbourne for twelve or thirteen weeks. And early uh, from January to the end of March, I've got a post uh, visiting research fellowship at the University of Melbourne at Trinity College. So we'll be staying there uh, for a while. So that's my first perfect time, time of year. I'm mate. visiting. That's and fantastic. I, I, yeah, you combine uh, the Scottish winter. Uh, yeah, and. Uh, 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 it's funny because I've had a few Aussies be like, well, you know about Melbourne's summer. It's not so great. And I was like, trust me, I live in Scotland. Uh, it'll be fine. So, whoever, yeah, whoever, I'm looking forward to it. Whoever said that about Melbourne's summer not being great, Yeah, they've never experienced a Melbourne was from summer. Sydney. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. But, I mean, look, I, I can understand it because I lived in – I got married in San Francisco and, and San Francisco in summers, it, it can be – 
stunningly beautiful in the morning and then in the evening the horror fog comes in it's cold it, it changes uh, a little bit more the la people are always saying oh the san francisco is not that nice so I'm, I'm sure there's a little bit of a similarity between sydney and san francisco in terms of rivalries around weather to use my californian analogy um but I think sometimes this also happens in Scotland, especially in Edinburgh. The weather's actually better than we say. We just make it out like it rains all the time and is horrible, so that people don't uh, overwhelm us. Uh, so that's you might, you might not say you might, your accent might not sound like a Scot, but now you're starting to talk like a Scot. Good on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that's, I, I've got all of the. I was saying something about something going wrong for sure there was no doubt about it and my scottish friend said you really fit in now that you've <laughs> you've gone into this with the lowest of expectations you're a true scott now so ah, very good hey josh i might let you um go and head off to uh your next uh appointment and um yeah i just want to say thanks for uh for joining us and i really do appreciate you coming on it's been a great uh yeah, great insight to have you can't wait to uh, listen to you guys next week again and, and see uh, listen to what you guys say your picks are um, uh, for the week. So it should be it should be a fantastic week. I can't wait. I just hope it doesn't look like we're going to get any windy days quite like we got at Scott, the Scottish. But mm. it, it would be great if we could at least get one uh, a couple windy days. I don't care about the rain. I, I just want to see it, the wind blow and and uh, it. it it's interesting because uh, this will be the final thing I say. Watching some of those guys play at North Barrett, we had a windy day that day. Um, and eventually they could adjust, but it's clear that they're just, they're used to some wind, but nothing like Lynx wind, where you're totally exposed and have no trees to help you figure it out. Uh, and yeah. that's what makes. That's what, for me, makes the Open the best week of the year. I mean, I know a lot of Americans love the Masters, but give me the Open 100 times out of 100. I was going to ask, Josh, do you think there's a better or worse wave? Like, based on that, do you think there's is, is there an advantage in either wave of the tee times, and which have just come out, by the way? So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, like, yeah, who has, a, who has the, the good one? So... It tends to get up more as it goes and then kind of calm towards the very, very end. So um, if I were to be betting on a first-round leader, um, I would do somebody in the early wave. Uh, mm. I think I saw that it was kind of getting up because by the time they're finishing, although because they are going out, somebody really late on Thursday or, or early Friday, yeah. but it looked – I think Jeff Shackelford, um, the American journalist, was saying that it looked like the early Friday, late, I mean, early Thursday, late Friday wave might get the better of the two. But you never know with British weather, it could change in a minute. Mm. Yeah, totally. Okay. Oh, well, that's good. Something to throw into the mix for our uh, next convo there, Roscoe. Josh, thanks very much, mate. I'm not sure. I know you're having a great year with the second hole at North Berwick and keeping it off the beach. You were so lucky the tide was out the other day because that was deep in the, the first or fourth there. But um, you, you, yeah, are, you are yeah. in front. You've had, you're having a better year. You're in front. You're more fairway than, than beach, all right? So that's good. I, I'm a, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for, for those of you that don't know, uh, Ross has seen me hit the beach is all the way down the right of the second. You don't hit driver off one at North Berwick. So the first time you've got a driver, it's usually into the wind and out to sea. Uh, so I have a long tradition of playing off the beach. So I have to tag Ross every time. Um, 
I had a nice little run, and then uh, with I was playing with Ted Scott on Friday. We decided to play at the very last minute. It's howling wind, downwind, so it's helping us. He hits a monster down right down the middle. Uh, I get up and I tell him the story, Ross, about you and how I need to tag you. And of course, because I told the story, I hit it halfway to Fife, but fortunately the the water was way out and it went well over 300 meters because the sand was firm. So I just had a little wedge onto the green, two putt par and, and walked off. So no, uh, I told Ted Scott the story and he laughed. He laughed quite a lot that I tag you every time I'm either in the fairway or on the beach. And credit where credit's due, you have made some classic all-time pars from, from the beach. Um, so well done. Cheers. On that note, I'll go hit one off the beach tomorrow and, uh, and let you know. I'll be thinking of you like, you, like, you'll, be thinking, <laughs> yeah. like you'll be thinking of me. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks, okay. guys. Good Josh, chatting. See you, Josh. Mate. See you, mate. Bye-bye. Thanks. Uh, well, there you go, Scott. There's uh, my good friend, uh, Josh Ralston, the professor, the caddy whisperer, or whatever else you want, the, the, beach, the beach bandit. Yeah. Um, you know, what a man. Uh, and some great to have that experience uh, playing uh, both with all of those people that he's just uh, rattled off there. Just uh, rattled off, yeah. I think he rattled off every uh, every caddy for the top twenty or something, and and then some. I mean, I, I thought you were connected in the in the golf game, Roscoe, but that guy's next level in that little that little segment of caddies. Ah, uh, he's just such a uh, an accommodating and, and likable uh, person. So it's it's easy to see why. And and even with that, the caddies, you know, like he's you know in the golfing community, like he's you know where he can be, he's always accommodated. You know, we I think last time we were there, we played with um, and he's played with him number of times since but like one of the editors for the harvard business review and and things like that you know so uh, yeah. as i said dylan fratelli's manager and and like we we're literally just sitting there and michael grella just comes up and starts talking to Josh like they're old mates from from way back when and bones was out there that was great yeah so it's great to have uh great to have josh uh, on board and it'd be good to see him in melbourne and, and seeing and uh, experiencing some of the golf that we've got down here which i know he, he's absolutely uh hanging out to do very passionate uh, golfer Oh, that's the other story I was going to say. The day that we were playing, uh, so it was obviously around the Open time last year. It was the day after the Open. We played there Monday, and Peyton Manning yep. was playing there. And he had this, like, Peyton Manning radar. Like, he knew that, oh, he said, Peyton's going to be coming down this hole. And there was, Peyton had, like, the advanced posse, like, on the, I can't remember what hole. Maybe the, it was maybe the Redan, the par three. And he had the guy there with, um, like, all this whiskey. And, like, then Peyton's group came along as we were going off the third, I think it was. And he just saunters across and says, G'day, Peyton, I'm Josh, you know, I'm a member here, and blah, blah, blah. And, and they take this photo and they have, you know, high fives everywhere. And, and uh, <laughs> off they went. So there you go. Peyton, who was that? Oh, it's Peyton Manning. Oh, it's a big deal. Yeah, okay. I get it. Yeah. Uh, very good. Very good. Kind of a big deal. Nice. Okay. Well, we heard his tips, mate. What, what, what about your tips? Who, 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 who have you been thinking about for uh, for this week? Well, credit where credit's due. I want to go back to uh, PK's puddle. Now, it's worth mentioning, yeah. uh, even at this stage in the podcast, that uh, one of our great and loyal friends, uh, PK, Phil Kethel, who's based in Sydney, uh, PK and I got together uh, for the first time face-to-face at the Central Coast Mariners Melbourne City Grand Final at uh, Combank Stadium. So PK came as my guest there. We sat down there on the on the uh, right on the behind the goals. It was probably the worst places in Melbourne City to be fan to be sitting that night. But we had a great catch-up and um, just mad, passionate golfer. Loves his golf. And in the absence uh, of Mike and no data lake and all that sort of thing, he said, well, why don't I put together <laughs> uh, some data for you for the Open? I said, go for it knock yourself out that'd be 
absolutely greatly appreciated and it is and he's done a great job here mm. but it had to have a name like everyone has to have a name he's called it pk's yeah. puddle so the data lake love it not as deep as love it not as the puddle is not as deep as the lake but there's some great uh Great stats in here, like that one that you heard Josh uh, say, uh, eight of the last nine major winners have been in their 20s. Um, so yeah. Royal, Royal Liverpool has hosted 12 previous Opens, so this is the 13th. Uh, of course, we know that Rory won back uh, in 2014. Um, there's been a whole host of great winners here. Robert Di Vincenzo, Peter Thompson. Uh, yeah, I was going to say 56. Peter Thompson. Um, having a look at that, mate, he won. A, he won with a score of two over, and I thought it was interesting his his winning check was 1,000 pounds uh, and then yeah, Rory there, the other notable in 2014 well actually before that, so Tiger won in 06, uh, I want to come back to that as well, the comparison between these two but um, he was minus 18 and took home 720,000 if you remember that it was very dusty, very hard and fast that Josh talked about the conditions that he played in about a month ago um, uh, and it was also the, the round where I think Tiger was playing with um, Sergio in that last round where Sergio was wearing that absolutely horrible yellow Adidas outfit. But um, shout out to those Aughties fashionistas. Um, that was absolutely terrible. But then, yeah, Rory wins with minus 17 in 2014. It was definitely much greener. And if Tiger hit one driver, I think Rory was hitting a lot of drivers um, throughout that whole week. Um, so it's going to be super interesting to see the strategy off the tee and how the game has evolved and how the course is kind of holding up um, and the different conditions and, and the different approaches that Josh was just talking about. Um, and, yeah, wondering, you know, what, what do we think that end score will be if those those guys won at minus 18, minus 17, We've got a par five that's turned into a par four. You're probably losing a couple a couple of shots there. Probably what minus minus fourteen, fifteen um, could be a, a winning mark. Uh, well, you'd you'd have to think that it's still going to be gettable for you know these great players. Uh, interesting. I'm not sure if it was 2000 or 2014, but it's now playing one par less and a little mm. bit longer so they've lengthened it and it's, yeah it's was a 37 and 35 or a 37 35 out 37 in par and and now it's um par 70 um so and it's playing longer so yeah it'll be interesting par 71 yeah par 71 sorry um yeah you'd have to think that it's going to be around similar distance i think it's going to be weather dependent it's going to be softer than the, the burnt out stuff that we saw at uh the Open last year at St Andrews. I can't see it being any less than that, any less than sort of that 14, 15. Yeah. But, and as you said, mate, only legends really have won here. So you've got to think that that, um, that there's a handful that are in the field this week um, that will be legends. And I think the winner's going to come from that handful, uh, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, it's definitely a big boys course for sure. Uh, let's have a look at the puddle. Um, so... Mm. PK has ranked, uh, he's pulled some stats from Power Golf and looked at previous results uh, from the Scottish and from, uh, obviously, there's a live golfer in here, a couple of live golfers in here, so he's tried to, to do some rankings based on that. Um, yep. PK in the puddle has Cameron Smith on top. With uh, He's got a point system here, so that he's ranked at 17 points. Um, yeah. He's got Roy McIlroy clearly at number two, obviously. Uh, Scotty Scheffler at number three. Scotty Scheffler, I think, you know, that putting stat that uh, has 
you know, everyone wants to talk about when they talk about Scotty Scheffler, uh, dogs him in that sort of PK's puddle ranking. Uh, yep. Fleetwood, so this is like a top 15, so he's given us 15, and that's what we usually give the rundown for. Uh, he's got Tommy Fleetwood. Tommy Fleetwood, I think I'd love to see mm. Tommy Fleetwood win. You know, his caddy, Finno, is this is the Wirral is his backyard. So it's, yeah. you know, it's got that home sort of ta- hometown feel to the Fleetwood Finno connection. Uh, Cantlay stacks up as fifth. Can't see Cantlay winning. As I said before, no. I, I, I think Orbar, maybe a Scheffler. Um, you know, the American contingent probably, you know, the American contingent on Lynx Golf just drop drop down a, a couple of pegs despite rankings. Um, Ram. Oh, man, he's got to be up there, doesn't he? I mean, it's surprising that he's down at number seven on, on the puddle, but uh, that driving accuracy and, and scrambling, he's, his ranking isn't that great. So that that's – and he was a – you know, came 34th last year. So, uh, and he missed the cut at the Travellers. So, all of these things that, that PK is bringing into the puddle, you know, unfortunately for Ram, there's a couple of factors that don't really do that great for him. But you've got to say, like, he, you know, just looking at him and just like, um, he's, he's still a bloody quality golfer right up at the top there. He's got to be in the mix for sure. Um, for sure. Uh, the next batch is Dustin Jordan. Ricky Fowler, uh, you know, this could be, you know, Ricky, mm-hmm. Ricky's game is strong mm-hmm. and, you know, it says here he finished third in 2014. Is that right? Can you qualify that as yeah. A, yeah, third in, four to, in 2014? So I, I fancy of all of the American contingent, I would fancy yeah. Ricky over them. But he was in the final group with Rory yeah. on that Sunday. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, Hovland, Shoffley, Kepka, Lowry, and Bobby Mack. That's rounds out the top fifteen. Bobby Mack. What a field! What a what a group of fifteen golfers to uh, to choose from. The favourite's going to be the favourite has to be Captain Nipples. Yeah, <laughs> mate. How good was that last week? Honestly, will he get the Sunday nipples out again? Oh, my goodness. I hope he wears a different type of shirt. Like, that was absolutely horrific. And, geez, it, it really did show them off, didn't it? I didn't uh, know where to look at some t- was, certain times. It was <laughs> – you would have to think that, you know, there's a potential for that inappropriate sort of nipple display from Rory. The, you know, the, mm. you'd have to wear an undershirt or something. Like Yeah, get oh. the man a skivvy or something. You were commenting on his look on the, on the outfit. I didn't mind the outfit. I didn't mind the sort of light green – the um, tour victory threes with the, the the light green swoosh and that sort of tanimal type of uh, upper long sleeve sort of polo. I don't mind a long sleeve polo, but when it's razor thin and giving inappropriate nipple action, I didn't I didn't like that look from Rory. So yeah. you've, got to, you've got to sort that out. Um, Cam yeah. Smith, number one in the in the ranking. Can Cam go back to back? I mean, from what we're reading, he seems pretty keen. He seems pretty uh, pretty set on getting the claret jug back. So, and he's been playing good golf in in obviously one London. Um, uh, so, and he had a good U.S. Open. Um, so he's he's in, in in you know he won it last year. So there's there's a few things there playing you know in, in his favour. And uh, if there if you need creativity around the green, well, he's up there with the best. Um, Sure, putting might not be as Josh was saying. The greens might not be, you know, that hard. Um, one way to say it, but uh, you got to be creative around the greens and get up and down. Well, he's you'd, be, you'd back him in almost every week, I reckon. Mm. Well, he is obviously the top of the Australian contingent, but there are it's a great mm. field of Australians. Uh, 
in the field that have come through all forms of qualification. Uh, Hayden Barron is in the field. So remember when Hayden Barron qualified when he finished fourth yep. at the Australian Open, rolled in a monster for an eagle on the 18th in the last round to um, secure a place, uh, which is fantastic. Harrison Crow is in the field. Um, uh, Josh caught up with Harrison when he was there. Harrison was just there playing by himself. He's been over in the UK for a while. Uh, Harrison qualified via his um, Asian um, amateur championship status. Jason Day is in the field. Interesting to see how Jason will go here. I remember uh, the 2016 Open watching Jason Day a lot at Royal Troon. Uh, Herbie, yep. Herbie, now Herbie is one for me. You know, with his career, you know, like, it's a little bit like Minwoo. You know, with Herbie's creativity around the links, um, you know, he's either hot or he's off. And you know, he wasn't totally off last week, but he, you know, sort of got around, made the cut. Probably didn't, obviously, didn't play his best, but you know, he he turns up for bigger tournaments. You know, he turned up for the Open last yep. year. I think he had a top twenty last year at the Open. I think Lucas could do yeah. pretty well again. Yeah, well, he's out early, mate. He's 6.57 a.m. tee off, um, along with Foxy and Ben Arn. So if that wave comment from Josh is anything to go by, um, then he, he's he's sitting pretty nicely there. It's 7 o'clock tee off. Is get Her- out early and, uh, and get it done. Is Herbie paired with uh, Foxy? Yeah, he's with Foxy okay. yeah, and Ben Arn. Two big, two big ball strikers there. That's going to be a great group to watch if you're out there on course yeah. uh, walking around. You want to see some big, big long hitters going at it. I, th- I think they get on pretty well, Foxy and uh, Herbie. We'll see. Um, How couldn't you get along well with Foxy? Oh, hey, Kiwi. He's a... They're all nice, aren't they? He's uh, he's a guy that just exudes. I want to I want to be Foxy's mate, probably because he's about 120 kilos. Looks like a front rower. Yeah. Probably walks <laughs> like a walks like a security guard. Um, he does. He's a nice fella. Uh, who else we got? We've got Minwoo Lee. We've got Connor McKinney. Now Connor McKinney is in the uh, Aussies list. Um, yeah, in in my world of uh, Connor McKinney claiming Aussie status, probably doesn't pass the test. He's a Scot. Connor McKinney is Scottish. I heard him on another podcast there the other day, and he sounded—he didn't sound too. Well, he sounded a little bit Aussie, but he, he had a couple of different accents in there. Scottish. He had almost, a bit of uh, yeah, American. He must yeah, have spent some time. The U.S. Yeah, yeah, must have. He sounded the U.S. sounded Scottish and sounded. But he's. Uh, he, but he learned his golf here in Australia, obviously in the West uh, Western Australia system there, which is a just an absolute great system for producing great golfers over there in the West. Um, but now Connor obviously grew up in Australia when he was that fourteen, um, but. He's Scottish. Uh, Dave Michaluzzi, uh, Adam Scott, Cam Smith, and uh, Travis Smythe uh, round out the Australians in the field. Adam? Now, Adam? Adam Scott is out late, I think. No, no, not. he's in a super group, actually, mate. He's with Scotty Scheffler and Tommy Fleetwood at, uh, what, 9.47am. That'll be a great group to watch, too. Who's uh, Mika playing with? Mika's with Zach Johnson and Matt Wallace. Okay. That's a good group for him, I think, you know, because he can get under yeah. Matt Wallace's skin and make Matt angry, because uh, they won't know much. <laughs> they won't know much about Mika, uh, and um, you know, he he can he can play in conditions like that. You know, not too extreme, but he can produce a good score in uh, conditions. Yep. And I know he's done that, you know, in Melbourne a number of times. Uh, uh, we also have to give a nod to the top Scots because PK has pulled it out because he knows uh, I love having a bit of a top Scott bet. Uh, we've got Ewan Ferguson, Bobby McIntyre, Richie Ramsey, Graham Robertson, Michael Stewart, Connor Syme, and Mark Warren. Uh, the top Scott will be Bobby McIntyre this week on the Bobby back of Mac, yeah. surely. Yeah. Um, now, I can't tip this person in the Teepster because I've already used him to win. 
uh, this year somewhere along the line. Mm. But I know who I think, if I was going to bet money, I know who I think I'd, I'd go with. But I'm going to defer to you. Who would you go with? Who is your tip for the te- the Teepster peoples? Well, I've got three. I think, uh, you know, emotionally, Cam, um, would love to see him win back-to-back. I think it would be amazing for him to do that. And then uh, great, for, great for golf here, great to see him uh, raise the claret again. Um, but I, I, I honestly also think Rory is, I know people, a lot of people say he winning is not the right prep for him and taking a bit out of him. Um, never win before a major, sure, sure. But there was something about him, Roscoe, in that, that back nine last week. And it's been building, I think, to a confidence level that um, he clearly stepped off the 18th on Sunday with a next level of confidence. And it wasn't just, you know, he got away with it. Like he went and got it and, and he had to play crafty golf shots to in really tough conditions to go and get it. And, and he did it. Um, and it's the first time we've seen him do that for a little while. So, you know, he's got, he's going back to where he won his last major. Um, there's a lot of things I think lining up for Rory um, I just, but unfortunately, I've used him in Teepster. Yeah. I was just going to say, I just worry when, you know, a lot of things lining up for Rory. Like, and I know he's pulled himself out of all of his press conferences. Um, mm. Great move, I think. Yep. Um, but there's a lot of things lining up for him, you know. On the tailor-made bags, you know, the staff bags that they release for every major, it's got his score on mm. there. So they're all, they're all going to be carrying around <laughs> uh, a bag with Rory's 2014 score on there. Um Oh. Yeah. Something, to, something to aim for. It's a bit of pressure. You know, it's, it's nothing, but it's yeah. you know, like you know. I'm saying it's like it's lining up. You know, there's a lot of things, a lot of eyeballs on him. And is that going to suit Rory? Is that going to suit Rory? V- regardless of the of the win last week uh, in uh, at Renaissance, um, you know, it was Bobby Bobby McIntyre out in front. You know, I, I dare say that there's probably going to be a quite a few others, you know, lurking in and around thereabouts. So it might be a different sort of set of circumstances come come Sunday. Who knows? But oh, I just not sure. I think I think I might have to defer to um the uh, professor and and think that maybe if Scotty Scheffler can break through that sort of P three, P four finish that he just keeps racking up and he's gonna turn up for a major, this is the one. This is the mm-hmm. one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. How how can you not, you know, have him, uh, have him in in your top picks? Like he, he's he's ticking all the boxes. So um, so yeah, it's hard to go past him. But I am going to stick with my when it comes to tips to mate. I'm sticking to my strategy, going for a live guy. And and this week it's going to be DJ. Um, already used Cam, <laughs> already used Cam. But uh, I'm going to go with DJ. And you know, I also. Mm, I don't know. He's been playing pretty good too, so um, I don't think he's a, a wild card. That's for sure. Where did where is he in the puddle? Um, DJ, yeah, he's like in eighth or tenth or so thereabouts. I just yeah, I just, eighth, eighth. So yeah, yeah, uh, he can play all the shots. Let's see, mate. Uh, hey, there is a tiger in the field though, Roscoe. We haven't even talked about tiger, and tiger's in the field. Ah, uh, yeah, uh, young I, German amateur, Tiger yeah, Christensen. Tiger Christensen. Wow. Can I, uh, can I tell you another funny Tiger story? Mm. I've actually got a customer called Tiger. Uh, you know what his name is? 
Tell me it's Eldrick. Tiger Wu. <laughs> Come on. Seriously. He's t- he's Get out of I town. I had a customer and I was serving him. I said, Tiger Wu. Yeah, that's me. I said, your name's, <laughs> Tiger, your name's seriously Tiger Wu. Yeah, my name's Tiger Wu. It's a good name, isn't it? Great for golf. I must be a good golfer. I said, I love it. I love oh the name. God, Tiger. I love that guy. His name is Tiger Wu. <laughs> I've got a customer, a genuine customer called Tiger Wu. I love it. Uh, Tiger oh Christensen. Good luck. Was Tiger Christensen yeah. named? Good luck, uh, young Tiger. In honor of Tiger, it has to be named in honor of Tiger. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, he seems he might. He could be the vintage for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Scotty, okay. Uh, we've got the Barracuda. There's some notes there. Um, I haven't even got the. Uh, the notes of the tee off times or the uh, sorry the uh, the field uh, players in the field that made mate. the cut. So we've got Sean Stableford. Stableford, yeah, it's just a, just a hit and giggle, mate. Yeah. Hit and giggle. Yep. Uh, who have we got? Um, we've got Sean Crocker, Max Kiefer, Pulkin, and Eric Van Royen. So they've gone back across from the Scottish Open. They all made the cut at the Scottish Open to go and play uh, at the Barracuda. Dale Whitnell, Ashen Wu, Soderberg, Luke List, Callum Hill. And uh, then we've got some players there that finished uh, in the top 10 at Barbasol. So Vincent Norman backs up, uh, Nathan Kimsey, Pendrith, Grayson Murray, Akshay Bhatia, uh, Masahiro Kawamura, uh, Levy, uh, Doc Redman, and Trevor Conn. So they're probably the ones that you might want to look out for if you are having any action on the uh, the Barracuda, but I'm not even sure it'll be on TV, but my eyes won't be there. It's a great time of year to watch the Open, isn't it? You can turn it on at 5 o'clock. It's on. You can yeah. stay up you can stay up till four AM. It's on. Love it. Love it. And mate, do we need to make a pick on the Barracuda? I think we do on Teepster, don't we? You do, yeah. The doubleheader. Yep. I said that um earlier on. Yeah, you do need to pick someone in the Barracuda. Yep. So who are you gonna pick? Sam Bennett's in the field. Oh okay. I'm gonna pick Sam Bennett. Sam Bennett. Yep. Feels like a uh feels like a tournament a young rookie like him could take out. I've already picked. I was going to say Akshay Bart here, but I've uh, already picked him. Uh, who was the last year, last week's runner-up? The English fella that <laughs> I don't know. I think he's still cleaning up the vomit off his front shirt. <laughs> oh, it, was fin- it was some finish. They both tried. They both tried very oh, hard to. Uh, I'm to not- sorry, my Wi-Fi cut out again. There, I, I was looking forward to talking about that because um, now we talked last week about some golf being relatable. There was some golf that was very relatable on the last couple of holes there from from those two fellas, but um, but uh, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure I would have done, we would have done worse than them, but um, but it was actually pretty good to watch. Yeah, look, Vincent Norman, what did what did Vincent do in the playoff hole? He, did he make an up and down par? Like he was off to the side, he missed almost like a yeah. meter, a meter away from putting it in the water. Uh, yep. Nice little chip toey chip up out of the rough to the to the hole but where was um uh what was the who was it sorry i've gone blank the runner-up yeah no the english fella put it in the put it um on the line on on the uh yeah on the hazard line nathan kimsey was that him was it kimsey yeah yeah that was him um yeah they both made it they made a meal of it but anyway uh scott have we done have we done our job have we done the job for the open I think so, mate. I've done half a job. Apologise for my uh, poor Wi-Fi again. Um, oh. I need to get that sorted out in the in the back room there. So um, we'll be ready for next time if there's a next time, Roscoe. But thanks That's again it. for having me, mate. And thanks yeah, again. can't wait to watch watch this tournament. Uh, thanks again for helping out. Um, it does mean the world to me. And 
I really do appreciate it. Thanks for you know, getting to meet Josh. That was more, probably as important as anything because uh, you'll be taking him to Spring Valley come January, February next year. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, he's a good one. He's a good, uh, he's a great guy and plenty of experience and you can tell he's a passionate golfer. So it's great to finally get uh, Josh on the podcast. And uh, yeah, if you want to connect with Josh, you can check him out at, at golfing underscore Scotland. Um, and uh, he just loves uh, posting stuff about golf. Hey, everyone, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on the Mile of Golf podcast. Have a great Open Championship week. It's not the British Open. It's the Open. The Open Championship, the champion golfer of the year. Don't call it the British Open, or otherwise the RNA will get upset with us. It's the Open. Scott, we'll see you next week, eh? Enjoy it, Roscoe. Thanks, mate.